Welcome to Radius Church. For those of you who are new, uh, just so thankful that you guys came here today. And as it was mentioned earlier, we truly love each and every single one of you. And we truly hope that whatever you were looking for when you walk down those stairs, that you will find them. You will find God. That's what the message is about. And as Chris and Raquel was talking today about just going through different challenges and understanding that everything you need is in God, as I was in the back just trying to meditate and just reflect on how I was going to communicate the word, I said, man, God is good because we didn't talk, the three of us, but I truly believe that there's a lot of alignment with our message today. So for those of you who haven't been here for the past few Sundays, we've been in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was a man who had a heart for God. He had a heart for God's people. And these people were broken. Their communities were broken. Their relationship with God was broken. Throughout our learning, we've learned that Building God's kingdom is hard work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of work when you are committing yourself to wanting to do God's will. You face a lot of issues like Nehemiah. You're dealing with issues from the outside. You're going to work, right? And people are always on your case about something. You go in the community. People are always on you. You don't feel included. Then you have to come in in your own household, right? There's arguments in the marriage or there's arguments with your kids. Even within the church, everyone has their own agenda. We're constantly battling with the issues also from within. We've learned that there's distractions. There's a lot of things that are trying to take your eyes away from God's kingdom. But what we've also learned just through Nehemiah's experience that when God is in it, there is no limit, right? Last week, we were focused on Nehemiah chapter 8. And the focus is no longer on the building. And I want to make sure that I give some of you some context who weren't here about what's going on, where are we at. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that early on, right away, that all of the people were together. They were united in complete agreement, right? We noticed that before in the chapter 1 of Nehemiah that they were all now on the same page. But right here in Nehemiah 8, chapter 1, we see that they're all unified in agreement. And together, uh, they came together and they were uh, focusing on getting closer to God. As a matter of fact, they went to this man by the name of Ezra and said, hey, can you teach us about the word of God? We want to know about God. They had a desire. So this is the first time that we're seeing Ezra and Nehemiah so who is this guy and where is Nehemiah at, right? Because throughout we've been learning about Nehemiah and his leadership and him bringing the community together. But now we have this new person who is stepping up by the name of Ezra. So who is he? So doing some study, I went to Ezra to figure out who he is. So in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, it tells us who this man is and what he is doing and again, I just want to give you some context as we begin to look forward. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ezra or you can just look up on the screen if you have a Bible app. Uh, and here's something interesting, just doing some studying. 
Uh, I've learned that many of us, although the Bible is easily and readily available to us, right? We probably have three or four in our houses. We don't open up the Bible to read it. We don't open up the Bible to learn. We don't open the Bible to get closer to God. We only come on church on Sundays. And there's actually a lot of research right now that says, again, although the Bible is right there in front of you, we tend not to open it. So again, uh, it's right there in front of the screens. And if you have a Bible in your hands, please open it up. So Nehemiah was a teacher. Not only was he a teacher, but he spent his entire life learning about God. As a matter of fact, he knew the word of God very well. He spent a lot of time and attention studying the word, obeying the word, and applying the word to his life. He also had a passion and wanted to make sure that other people knew the word of God. What I found interesting as well is he was going to Israel to build the people, right? 13 years before Nehemiah, and look who sent him. The same king that sent Nehemiah, right? So the same king that sent Nehemiah to focus on the infrastructure, the building, he sent Ezra to focus on the people years before. And sometimes we think we're the only one who's going through our journey, right? When really, when you look at it, there's someone already before you who is trying to pave the way, right? So that actually gave me hope this morning as I was just truly processing the word of God. There's someone before us who is also focusing on the same mission that you are, and that's building God's kingdom, right? So not only did he, too, was nervous about building God's kingdom, but throughout Ezra, we learned that God was with him, right? So although you feel or you may feel that you're the only one going through your journey, have comfort knowing that God is with you. God said he will never leave you nor forsake you. So for those of you who were not here last week, again, I want to continue on some context and give you kind of a summary of Nehemiah, the first section, one through eight. We learned a lot of amazing things that Chris focused on. The first thing, uh, the focus was on the people. Well, Anderson, how do you know? Just throughout the Bible, just throughout the Bible and Nehemiah, you see that the word the people was mentioned 13 times. 13 times the people. Not only that, the people desired, they wanted to know God. Uh, they came together and they wanted to listen. They listened for hours. They wanted to know their God. No longer was it about the, the building, but more of the people. And what also is interesting, there's an old saying, and I kind of laugh because now I feel like I'm old. I can say there's an old saying, right? It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside, right? And sometimes we can look at fancy buildings, cars, relationships on the outside, and we think, like, man, they got it all together, right? But within, they're broken. They're broken. So Nehemiah was able to focus on the building and he accomplished that, so he was able to take a step back so God could be at the center, could be at the focus. And we see that Ezra was in the front of the stage that was built for him so that he could preach the word of God. And not only was he focused and on his spiritual journey, but he had 13 leaders with him, and he had 13 people in the crowd making sure that people understood the word of God. 
So it's not about just teaching the word, but it's making sure that people understood the word of God that was being preached. They were having small Bible studies in the crowds, learning about God and everything that he has done. And the word itself is supposed to do a few things that we learn in the first few sections. Number one, as Ezra was at the center preaching the word of God and praising God, they lift their hands up, right? We saw that. They lift their hands up to praise God. And they also humble themselves and bow their, their heads to worship God, right? And I was just thinking about the songs that we were singing earlier when I think about the Lord, right? Just that song and just watching everyone. People had their hands up just praising God, right? And also people were just bowing down and just saying, thank you, God, right? Because you can begin to think about all that he has done for you from birth to now, right? And the word itself is supposed to penetrate our hearts so that we can have those emotions, so we can have that joy, so we can feel that we can praise him and worship him. And if you feel that, well, I'm not getting that feeling. Maybe there's two things that you should think about. Number one, is the word truly being taught to you, right? And then number two, maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's your desires, right? You're walking down the stairs and your heart is not truly open and ready for the seed to just meditate or meditate on your heart. So today we're going to be focusing on verse 9 through 18, and I pray again that the word of God truly touches your spirit and that he tells you the key message of today is don't just listen to the word of God, but obey. So in verse 9, and we'll go from 9 to 18. Again, if you have a Bible, please open it up. If not, you can just see it right on the screen. So verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor Ezra the priest and the teacher and the Levites were teaching the people, spoke. They said, today is a special day, the Lord your God. Don't be sad and cry. They said that because all the people had begun to cry as they were listening to the message of God in the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy the good food and sweet drinks. Give food and drinks to those who didn't prepare any. Today is a special day to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy of the Lord will make you strong. The Levites helped the people to calm down. They said, be quiet, calm down. This is a special day. Don't be sad. Then all the people went to eat the special meal. They shared their food and drinks. They celebrated the special day. They were happy that they could hear the reading of God's law and were now able to understand it. Then on the second day of the month, the leaders of all the families went to meet Ezra, the priest, and the Levites. They all gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to study the words of the law. They studied and found that these commands in the law, the Lord gave this command to the people through Moses. In the seventh month of the year, the Israelites may go to Jerusalem to celebrate a special festival. They must live in temporary shelters. And the people are supposed to go through all of their towns in Jerusalem and say this, Go out into the hill country and get branches from different kinds of olive trees. Get branches from myrtle trees, palm trees, and shade trees. Use the branches to make temporary shelters. Do what the law says. So the people went out and got tree branches. Then they built shelters for themselves. They built shelters on their own roofs and in their yards. And they built shelters in the temple yard and the open place near the water gates and near Ephraim gate. 
The whole group had come back from captivity, built shelters. They lived in the shelters they had built since the day of Joshua, son of Nun, up until the day the Israelites had not celebrated the festival of shelters like this. Everyone was happy. Ezra read to them from the book of the law every day of the festival, from the first day of the festival to the last. The Israelites celebrated the festivals for seven days. Then on the eighth day, the people met together for a special meeting, as the law says. So, verse 9, I think it's important. So you have a, a variety of people who are coming together, again, to focus on the word of God. We learned earlier that people were lifting up their hands to praise, to worship, to bow down. The word made them do that, right? Now, as the people are learning about the word, it's making them sad and crying and feeling sad. Why is that? How do we go from praising and worship to now feeling sad? I believe in 2 Timothy 3.16, it tells us why. In 2 Timothy 3.16, again, you can see it on the screen. It says, all scripture is given by God and all the scripture is useful for teaching and for showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching the right way to love. The people were learning about themselves, their sins, and how far away from God they were. The word itself shows us how sinful and how selfish we are and how we're always focused on ourselves, our own desires, we see that every single day, even in our own church, that people are only focused on themselves. But although they raise their hands and, and scream, I love God, I love Jesus, right? But really, it's only about us, our own sins. But I'm so thankful that although we're sinners, in verse 10, it tells us something that's so powerful. And Chris was talking about it today, that although you may think that, you know what, I'm just going through so much, I'm sinful, don't be sad today because the joy of the Lord will make you strong. We can find joy in the Lord. The word, the word itself is supposed to bring us back as we're studying. It's supposed to bring us back to our God to tell us how strong he is, how he's a provider, how he's a comforter. Radius Church, don't be sad today. Everything you need, as Chris, as Chris mentioned, is in God. And as the people began to understand that, we see in, in verse 12, that it's, it's like an aha moment for them. I get it now. I'm not supposed to be crying because, believe it or not, in the Old Testament, it was actually a sin to cry and an important day like this. We're not supposed to be crying right now. We're supposed to be happy, lifting our hands up, right? There is a time for crying, but there's also a time to be praising and uplifting God doesn't matter if you're feeling good or not. There's a time to just say, God, you are amazing. You are good, right? And that was a key point that the people were missing. But at this time, as their, their hearts were open, they finally understood that, wow, I understand this is about God. That although we were sinners, he did so much for us. He brought us from so much, right? We were in captivity, our ancestors, right? But he loved us so much. So all this happened on the first day. On the first day, people were lifting their hands up. They were praising. People were sad. People were learning about the word. God was at the center of it all, right? Because the wall was built, and it was time for the people 
to be restored back to their God. Right? So they were filled with emotions and their sins, but again, there's joy. There's joy when you think about all that God has done for us. So in verse 13 and 14, the second day, the second day of the month, the leaders, the families, they went to meet Ezra, right? And if you know back in the day, the leaders, the head of the household were the men, right? So the men came together for more learning. They wanted to know more about this God that they're talking about, right? The men came together. The men came together to, to learn, and they realized, like, whoa, we're not keeping the word of God. The men learned that they were not holding it down. They were not keeping God's command. Why does that feel like 2019 still? Not to pick on men, that men are not leading. Men are not following God. Men are not obeying. Men are not coming together to figure out how do we build communities. And can you imagine what the world will be like if we had more kingdom men? If children and women saw in their household a kingdom man first. In Deuteronomy 11:18, we, we see that the, the word says, remember these commands I give you. Keep them in your hearts. Write them down and tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a way to remember my law. Teach these laws to your children. Talk about these things when you sit in your house, when you lie down, when you get up. Men, the word is supposed to be inside of us. Your kids are supposed to be seeing you talking about the word, modeling the word, right? Like Ezra, studying and obeying, applying the word to yourself and going out and teaching the word of God, uplifting our women, pouring into our women. In Deuteronomy 16, this is, I believe, Moses still talking to the people because he wasn't going to the promised land. As a matter of fact, when you read just throughout Deuteronomy, God is already prophesizing to Moses that, hey, once you die, the people will move further away from me. See, a lot of people were only following Moses and not the Lord. You come to church to focus only on the pastor, but now how can I get closer to God? What does the word tell me? How does the word penetrate my heart so I can get closer to God? Because at the end of the day, it's not going to be Moses or the pastors that's going to get you to God. It's going to be you and God. The pastor said this uh, a few weeks ago, and I think he was picking on all of us but Chris. He said, and he does that a lot, don't he? He says, how often are you getting into the word yourself? He says, besides Chris, how often are you getting the word how do you know what the future is going to be like if you don't get in the word of God yourself? How do you know what God is telling you if the only time you talk to God is on Sundays? What the men finally realized is that this festival was about God. It was about honoring God, loving God, putting God at number one, not in the back. And what happened because of that as a result? action. They moved to action in verse 16. They heard the word, so they went out and did what the word says. They realized they weren't keeping the command, so they went out and got the trees and the branches, and they built homes. They built shelters. The men understood the word. They did this to honor God and to reflect on all the things that he had done for them from the beginning. This was a time to teach the word of God to the kids, 
This was a time to tell the kids where the real joy comes from. And Jesus. It's all about Jesus from the beginning to the end. The word brings us back to Jesus. Jesus is supposed to be number one, not money, not cars, not clothes, not a man, not a woman. Right. Those are other gods that we put before our God, the real God, the God of all gods. And guess what? When you read throughout the Old Testament, God doesn't like anyone before him. If you have anything before God, you are in sin right now. I hope I didn't make anyone mad about that right there. But that is the facts. If you have anything before God right now, you are in sin right now. God wants to be your number one. And this is what he was trying to tell the people. The word is supposed to draw us closer to God. And Leviticus 23, 42 and 43. Again, just learning about the Old Testament, because that was the law of Moses. The first five sections or chapters in the Bible, we see that you will live in temporary shelters for seven days. All the people born in Israel will live in them. Why? So all your descendants will know that I made the Israelites live in a temporary shelter during the time I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God wanted them to remember him and remember all the things that he has done for them. When you think about what, had, what God has done for you from birth to now, doesn't that make you want to just lift your hands? Doesn't that make you want to just praise him, right? To say, what was it about me, God? What was it about me, God? I am not worthy. I am not worthy, God. You sent your only son for me? For me? A sinner like me? But then I realized everything I need is in Jesus, right? The joy that I need, the comfort that I need, right? That gives me the strength that I need to know that, wow, I am worth it, God. Thank you so much. Now, I want to go out and learn more about you so I can go back and teach the word. The question for you today and all of us, what is the word going to do to you? Will you continue to allow the word just to flow through you and not penetrate your heart? Or will you allow it to just sink in and produce fruit? Will you obey the word today? The choice is up to you. Thank you.